Good morning. It's good to be with you again this morning. I'd like your input a little bit before we get started here. Throughout history, Christians have been likened or illustrated or likened to a lot of different things. What are some of those things that we have been likened to? Sheep? Okay. Right. Salt. Salt. Even some things that aren't mentioned in the Bible. Okay. Ambassadors, soldiers, lots of different things like that. And lots of different aspects of the Christian life are are why those are different names used. The, the thing I'd like to look at this morning is you, as a Christian, being a watchman. That's not a term we use much today. But long ago, the role of a watchman was important to the welfare of a city. Many cities had high walls surrounding the city, The citizens would live and conduct their business within those walls and their agriculture or their fields were outside of the city walls. In the weeks and months where crops were ripening, a watchman was placed on the wall or in a watchtower to keep an eye on those fields, to protect the fields and the ripening crops from thieves or from animals that would come to destroy the crops or steal the crops, the basic well-being and the food stores of that community was at stake. So the watchman's role was very important. A watchman was also posted on the city wall or in a watchtower to survey the landscape for another reason, the landscape outside of the city walls for another reason. He was to monitor the approaches to the town He was to notice strangers coming and recognize a threat. If there was a threat, he was responsible to take appropriate action and warn the townspeople to shut the gates or prepare them for battle or whatever was appropriate for the threat that was coming. At other times, I'm sure that watchman on the wall would would be watching inside the city. He would learn to know people's habits. He would know that this person wakes up early and they go on a walk. This person goes to the well at such a time. This person is the loudest person in the marketplace. This person is, and he would know the townspeople. He would recognize habits. He would recognize behaviors of the townspeople, I'm sure. In the Old Testament, the prophets were... God called prophets to be watchmen. And he used the word watchmen several times, specifically the prophet Isaiah and the prophet Ezekiel. They were called watchmen. In the New Testament, I'm not sure that the term watchman is used, but every person who is born again is a watchman. In 1 Timothy 4, Paul is speaking specifically to Timothy, but it applies to all of us. 
as well. It says, Take heed unto thyself and unto thy doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Taking heed is a job of a watchman. To take heed and to watch. To be alert. To pay attention. 1 Peter 5 says, Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Those are attributes of a watchman as well, to be vigilant. To be sober here means to take life seriously. It doesn't mean don't enjoy life. It means but enjoy it, but take life seriously. It's not something to be played around with. So as children of God, we are not only soldiers in the fight, we are watchmen in the night. We live in perilous times, and it is a dark world that we live in. We are called to be watchmen in the night. This morning I would like to look at some characteristics and responsibilities of a watchman, and hopefully you can apply that to your life and your Christian walk. Turn with me to Nehemiah chapter 4 for a text. Nehemiah chapter 4. Nehemiah had just returned to Jerusalem and was going to start rebuilding the wall around the city. As they were getting started, they met some opposition. Sanballat and Tobiah and some other neighboring tribes were opposing what they were doing. And they began in the first part of this chapter. The opposition begins in the form of mocking and ridicule. In verse 2, if we find Sanballat mocking them, he's saying, what do these feeble Jews think they're going, what do they think they're doing? How are they going to rebuild this wall? There's nothing there but burnt stones. Do they think they're going to be able to build this wall out of burnt stones? And he's mocking them. Then in verse 3, Tobiah joins in and he says, I know what you mean, Sanballat. If they get this wall built, if a fox would run across the top of it, the wall would fall over. They're wasting their time and they're mocking the Jews as they're building. But then look at verse 6. So built we the wall, and all the wall was joined together unto the half thereof, for the people had a mind to work. In spite of all this ridicule and this mocking, he says, we built the wall. The people had a heart and a mind to work, and we were going to make this happen. God was with us, and it's going to happen. And it was happening, which really alarmed the opposition. Because they saw something indeed was happening. It says in verse 7, Sanballat and Tobiah, when they heard it, they were very wroth. They decided to take action against what was happening. In verse 8, and conspired all of them together to come and to fight against Jerusalem and to hinder it. I'll begin reading Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 9. And I I hesitate to read long passages of Scripture because I know what it's like to be sitting down there and you follow along for the first three verses and then your mind, or my mind, tends to kind of 
go somewhere else, but I'm going to ask you to follow along closely because there's some good lessons we can learn about a watchman here. Nehemiah chapter 4, I'll begin reading at verse 9. Nevertheless, we made our prayer unto God and set a watch against them day and night because of them. And Judah said, The strength of the bearers of burdens is decayed, and there is much rubbish, so that we are not able to build the wall. And our adversaries said, They shall not know, neither see, till we come in the midst among them and slay them and cause the work to cease. And it came to pass, when the Jews which dwelt by them, which dwelt by them came, they said unto us ten times, From all the places whence ye shall return unto us, they will be upon you. Therefore said I in the lower places behind the wall, and on the higher places, I even set the people after their families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and rose up and said unto the nobles, and to the rulers, and to the rest of the people, Be not ye afraid of them. Remember the Lord, which is great and terrible, and fight for your brethren, your sons, and your daughters, your wives, and your houses. And it came to pass, when our enemies heard that it was known unto us, and God had brought their counsel to naught, that we returned, all of us, to the wall, every one unto his work. And it came to pass from that time forth that half of my servants wrought in the work, and the other half of them held both the spears and the shields and the bows and the habardins, and the rulers were behind the house of Judah, behind all the house of Judah. They which builded on the wall, and they which bear burdens, with those that laid it, every one everyone with one of his hands wrought in the work, and with the other hand held a weapon. For the builders, everyone had his sword girded by his side, and so builded. And he that sounded the trumpet was by me. And I said unto the nobles, and to the rulers, and to the rest of the people, The work is great and large, and we are separated upon the wall, one from another. In what place, therefore, ye hear the sound of the trumpet, resort ye thither unto us, our God shall fight for us. So we labored in the work. And half of them held the spears from the rising of the morning until the stars appeared. Likewise, at the same time, said I unto the people, Let every one with his servant lodge within Jerusalem, that is in the night, that they may guard us and labor on in the day. So neither I nor my brethren, nor my servants, nor the men of the guard which followed me, none of us put off our clothes, saving that every one put them off for washing. I'll stop reading there. I don't know that it uses the term watchman here in this passage, but watching and being alert is definitely implied. The first lesson I'd like to learn, or I'd like to draw from this, the lesson of being a watchman, is that a watchman needs to be alert to the burdens within the city. Let's look at verse 9 and 10 again. Nevertheless, we made our prayer unto God and set a watch against them day and night because of them. That's the watch outside the city. And Judah said, The strength of the bearers of burdens is decayed, and there is much rubbish, so that they were not able to build the wall. My mind was drawn to three walls that we all have, we are all a part of. And so this message this morning could apply to three different levels one of three different levels, or for many of us, all of these. All of these walls. The first wall is our personal life. We need to have a watchman on our personal wall, around our personal spiritual well-being. The second wall is the wall of our families, men 
fathers and husbands, as leaders of a home, you are responsible to be a watchman for your family and for your home. And then there's the wall of the church. And we are all responsible to be watchmen for the, around the wall of the church. So in each of these areas, we need to be alert for threats without. And we need to be watching for the burdens within the church. And we need to be careful that we aren't distracted by one or the other. The watchman here in Nehemiah, I'm picturing this wall, and I don't know exactly what it looked like, but they're building a wall. So there were high places on the wall where it had, the work had been going well, the, the people had been working well together. There were other areas where the wall was maybe a little lower, and it was maybe neglected a little bit. It was maybe a hard part of the wall to build, and it wasn't going well. So there's low spots, and there's high spots, and there's watchmen on this wall, and they're watching. They're watching for this opposition that's coming. And as they turn, they watch and they see, in verse 10, the strength of the bearers of the burdens is decayed. They see the workers inside are just exhausted. These watchmen see the burdens within and they're watching for the threats without. That's what we need to do as watchmen of our own life, as watchmen of our family, and as watchmen of the church. We need to be alert for burdens within, the, within I'm going to say within the church or within our family or within ourselves, and we also need to be alert for threats that are coming. As this chapter goes on towards the end of the chapter, we see the watchmen, or it maybe uses the term guards, working hand in hand with the bearers of the burdens, with the people that are actually working. It says one man held the spear and the sword and one man did the work. One man was watching, one man was working. They worked Hand in hand. But if the, if the watchman would have only focused on helping the exhausted workmen, the enemy could have marched right in and taken over. On the other hand, if the watchman had only been scanning the horizon all day long and not seen what was going on behind them, that the, the bearers of the burdens were decayed, it says. They were exhausted. If they hadn't noticed that, there wouldn't be any point in working because they would, no work would be getting done. So the role of the watchman is twofold. Putting ourselves as a watchman. You are a watchman. Are you aware of the burdens within the city? The burdens within the church or the burdens within the family or even the burdens within your own heart? As a watchman, are you aware of that? Are you alert to that? This idea of watchmen helping to bear the burdens is laid out here nicely in Nehemiah 4, but it's also a New Testament principle. In Galatians 6, it says, Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. And I'm sure there's other places that it mentions it as well. But to get it practical... As a watchman called to help bear the burdens of those I see, it's not just that easy. If I would ask you, you don't need to raise your hand, but if I would ask you, how many of you are aware of burdens within the city, whether that's within your own heart, within your family, or within the church, every hand would go up. Maybe both your hands would go up. We're aware of these things. But for many of us, 
and myself included, we see these burdens within the city, but we aren't sure what to do about it. And so, to my shame, many times I resort to doing nothing. I see it, and I'm not sure what to do, and so we do nothing. We see the strength of the bearers of the burdens is decayed. We see there is much rubbish. We see there are those who are too bogged down with the cares of whatever it is. They can't even help in the building. We see the shortcomings in our own life. We see things within our families. We look at the church and we see things. We see burdens and concerns. And we look at the world around us. It can be overwhelming. When you look and you see all the needs, all the burdens, it can be overwhelming. Where do you start? For many of these problems, we don't see a solution. There's no easy solution. And so again, we do nothing. And humanly speaking, we think, I, why would I waste valuable time? My valuable time or my resources giving up whatever it is that I have to help with a problem that I don't see a solution for. But we are still called to help bear the burdens. Keep your finger here in Nehemiah 4, but turn to Luke chapter 10. There's a lesson here about bearing burdens in Luke chapter 10 begin reading at verse 29 but he willing to justify himself said unto Jesus and who is my neighbor and Jesus answering said a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed leaving him half dead And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. And he went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence, And gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. I'll stop reading there. Four men in this story. The one man was beat to a pulp. He was left half dead beside the road. The three others had an opportunity to help. There was a priest and a Levite. Uh, What was the order? The priest came by first. And he saw the need. He saw the burden. He saw the, the bearers of the burdens. Their strength was decayed. He saw the man laying by the road. And I don't know what was going through his mind, but putting myself in his position, perhaps he was thinking... Is this my responsibility? I see the need, but is it really my responsibility? There are so many other more qualified people out there to help this man. I don't think it is my responsibility. I have my responsibilities, and I know what they are. I'm going to go do them. 
the Levite came by, and again, I think he wasted his time wondering if it was his responsibility. Is it or isn't it? He didn't know. So he continued on because he knew what he did have responsibilities and he continued on. The Samaritan obviously had responsibilities somewhere. He's traveling from somewhere to somewhere, so he had responsibilities, but he saw an opportunity. But rather than think, is this my responsibility, he took responsibility and he, he helped the man. He didn't waste his time trying to figure out if it was or if it wasn't his responsibility. He didn't question the opportunity when it came to him. And sometimes I think we fall into that trap. We see the needs around us and we think there's other people that will fill that need. There's other people that will help that brother. There's other people that will help that sister. I am not qualified to help that brother. How many of you think the Good Samaritan here was qualified to help the man beside the road? We don't know. There were probably more qualified people than he was. But he saw an opportunity and he used it. Turn back to Nehemiah chapter 4. I think we all probably know people that fit in this category in chapter 10. It says, nevertheless, I'm sorry, and Judah said, the strength of the bearers of burdens is decayed. We all know people or situations where their strength is decayed. Someone who's discouraged. I've heard it said, a good way to tell if someone needs to be encouraged or not is check if they're breathing. If someone's breathing, they need to be encouraged. Everybody needs to be encouraged. A watchman needs to be alert to the burdens within the city and needs to be willing to help. A watchman also needs to be alert to the threats from outside the city. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 6 says, Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. There's that sober word again. Taking life seriously. Watching and being sober. If we're alert to the enemy without the city, we need to learn to recognize the enemy. And the question comes up to us, how do we recognize the enemy? How do we keep from being deceived? I think the answer is, know the truth. Always be able to come back to the truth. You won't be able to name and list every enemy that will attack you as a Christian. The list is too long, and you don't even know what they are. You won't be able to, come to think, okay, I have to watch out for this, and this, and this, and this. You can do that, but you won't have an exhausted list. But the truth we can know, and we need to be able to recognize when the falsehood comes. In James chapter 1, verse 14, it says, But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And you think, no problem. I'll recognize when, I'm, when something comes to tempt me and take me away. It's not that easy. Something you don't like won't come and tempt you. You can't be tempted by something you don't like. It will be something you will enjoy or something you want 
that is going to draw you away and entice you. It says, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lusts and enticed. Something you want is going to tempt you. I'm convinced that many people have been and many people will be drawn away by good things. There are good things that will draw many people away. As a watchman, beware of these good things that come at us. It's been said that walking in God's law and instructions insulates us from the curse of the world and its deceptions. Did you follow that? Walking in God's law and instructions insulates us from the curse of the world and its deceptions. Walking in God's law, knowing God's word, knowing the truth, having the truth so ingrained in your heart. I think it was Ignatius when he was martyred. He was hauled down into the arena and they pled with him again. And they said, would you, would you recant your faith in Jesus? The wild animals, their lions were on their chains ready to be let loose and attack him. And he said, if you cut my heart open right now, the name of Jesus would be written on every piece. If you cut, no, he said, if you cut my heart into a thousand pieces, that's what it was. If you cut my heart into a thousand pieces, the name of Jesus would be written on every piece. That is how you know. That is how you are not deceived. That is what a watchman needs to have. That ingrained, the word of God, that ingrained on your heart that you recognize the threats. There was once a man got a job at a manufacturing facility, at a factory. Well, they had been having trouble at this factory with people. The night shift was stealing parts, stealing parts from this factory. So they decided to hire a watchman for the night shift and they hired him. He got the job. He went to work and his job description was simple. They said, we just need you to keep an eye on people, keep people from stealing things. We've been having this problem with people stealing things. So he set up catwalks throughout the factory where he could walk and he could keep an eye on things. And he set up a kind of a checkpoint at the, when the night shift would leave. The day shift came, the night shift left. He set up a checkpoint that every worker needed to pass by and he would inspect their lunchbox, their pockets, everything to make sure they didn't take things they weren't supposed to, that they wouldn't steal things. So the first day, people were going by and he's checking their pockets and their lunchbox and their backpacks and their briefcases, whatever. He wasn't finding anything. A man came through pushing a wheelbarrow full of newspapers and he said, that's not even tricky. He's trying to hide what he's stealing under the newspapers. So he peels back the newspapers and looks and he didn't find anything. Why are you doing this? And the man said, it's just a little extra money. I go through the lunchroom and I collect all the newspapers I find here and I take them out and then I recycle them. He, said, well, he thought that made sense. So he, but he watched him because he said, this is, he's being sneaky about something. Second day, the same thing. He had, a, he had a wheelbarrow full of old newspapers. Third day, all the way, first week, months went on. After a year of work, he showed up at work ready to do his watchman job again. And uh, there was a note for him when he got there. It said, report directly to the supervisor's office. And he walked in and before he could say anything, the supervisor said, you're fired. 
said, you have not been doing your job. And he said, well, what do you mean I haven't been doing my job? And he said, nobody's taken anything at all. I've watched carefully. And the supervisor said, well, then how do you explain 365 missing wheelbarrows? He was so concerned. He was so concerned about watching. He was alert. But he couldn't observe. He couldn't recognize what the enemy was. And we may think we're so alert. We're so watchful. But we can so easily be deceived if we get stuck in this rut, this distracted rut of watching for certain things. Satan can come in the back door and push a wheelbarrow full of newspapers right out. You're all familiar with the story of the siege of the city of Troy. The Greeks had been besieging the city for ten years unsuccessfully. It's unclear as to whether this is truth or fiction, but they'd been besieging the city for ten years unsuccessfully, and they came up with a plan. They built this huge wooden horse and put in a special force of Greek soldiers inside the belly of this horse, and they retreated as if in defeat. The city of Troy opened their gates, came out to bring this huge wooden horse as if it were a trophy or a a peace offering maybe from the Greeks. They weren't sure, but they brought it into their city, wheeled it right in. That night, these Greek soldiers let themselves out, ran to the city gates, opened them up, and the Greek army came in and with very little fight overtook the city. The city of Troy failed to recognize the enemy disguised as a gift of peace. Look at verse 13 here in Nehemiah 4. It says, Therefore I set in the lower places behind the wall. He set watchmen in the low places. Remember the picture I described earlier of this wall? There's, there's high places where the building had been going well. There's low places where the building was maybe neglected or it was not going as well. He said, I set watchmen in those low places. That is where Satan will attack you. In the weak places, the low places in your life, the places that are the most vulnerable for attack. And that's where you need to have your watchmen. Guard those areas of your life. If you know that you are prone to fall in a certain area, set a watchman there. Set three watchmen there if you have to. That is where Satan will attack you. Another characteristic is a watchman needs to be accurate in his portrayal of the danger. To react, but not to overreact or underreact, but to react. Jeremiah 6 16 through 17 says, Thus saith the Lord, Stand ye in the ways and see, and ask for the old paths. Where is the good way? And walk therein, and ye shall find rest for your souls. But they said, We will not walk therein. Also I set a watchman over you, saying, Hearken to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, We will not hearken. A phrase stood out to me in that, those verses. It says, And ask for the old paths. Today as watchmen, we have an old, old, old message to proclaim. It's an old message. It's not, it's not new. We have an old message to proclaim. 
And one of the challenges or the difficulties we face in an ever-changing world is seeking ways to do that. One of the difficulties we face today is we are uncertain as to how to hold on to the heart of our message and maintain theological integrity. That's not original with me. One of the difficulties we face is holding on to the heart of our message and still maintain theological integrity. In other words, how do we share the gospel? How do we encourage people within the church that maybe don't want to be encouraged? How do we encourage people within our family that maybe don't realize they need to be encouraged? How do we do that without watering down the message? To share it in a new way, in a fresh way that's going to be palatable or something that they're going to be able to take from us without watering down the message. That's the challenge we face. It's hard to share concern with someone without appearing dogmatic or sounding like a condemning killjoy. It's hard to do that. There is a difference between someone who is critical and someone who is a watchman. There's a difference. The concern of the person who is critical is based on irritation. You may not like that, but the concern of someone who is critical is based on irritation. The concern of the watchman is based on love because to a certain degree, every one of us, is we're responsible for each other. In Ezekiel, it talks about the watchman who does not sound the warning is liable for the, for the falling away of the people that he was supposed to warn. We are responsible to each other to some degree. The challenge is to how, how do we keep the substance of what we believe, the heart of our message, how do we keep that and accurately communicate it. Closely related to that is a watchman needs to know how to respond to danger. I think one of the most difficult jobs of a watchman is to be deliberate and intentional as we prepare to meet the danger. Whether you're protecting something in your own life, or if it's something in your family, or if it's something in the church, we have to be deliberate and we have to be intentional in our protection, in our protecting, in our responses to the enemy. On a personal level, for your own heart and your own life, when something has crept into your life, maybe it's a behavior or a habit or something in your life that needs to be controlled, it's much easier to set guidelines for yourself before it comes in than afterwards. Now look at your family or look at the church. It's much easier to set guidelines for something that needs to be controlled before something gets its foot in the door. If something gets its foot in the door first and we think, hey, we need to make a decision on this as a family, or the decision will be very reactionary. It will be based on reaction. Our guidelines have to be deliberate and intentional. We need wisdom as watchmen to be discerning, to be aware, to be alert, and to take initiative 
A watchman does not look for a devil behind every tree. He doesn't look for a devil behind every tree, but he will recognize the trees that make good hiding places. I'd like to close with this thought. Satan is prowling around your life right now. He is prowling around your life, he is prowling around your family, and he is prowling around this church. And he is looking for any little gap that he can find. He's looking for those low places, those places that are maybe neglected. He's looking for a gap in the hedge, anything. He's looking for a sleepy watchman or a watchman that he can easily lull to sleep. He's looking for a distracted watchman or a watchman that he can easily distract. Right now, he's doing that. There is a sense in which we are all responsible for each other as watchmen. Responsible to warn of coming danger, but then we're also responsible to hear that warning. If I'm on one side of the city and you're on the other side of the city and you shout a warning, there's a good chance I maybe won't be able to see what you're warning me about. But within the brotherhood, we have to have that trust. We have to believe that we are responsible and that the Holy Spirit works in your life as well as it can work in mine. We have to hear the warnings within the brotherhood. I challenge you today, I challenge me, us today, to be alert, to be aware, to act deliberately and intentionally, to recognize the dangers from without as we help bear the burdens within. If you're able to, would you kneel for prayer? Our Heavenly Father, we come before you today. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth of it and the surety of it.